when I sat down with this ultra boring Excel file and did the two columns, like, you know, cost of life at home, cost of life on the road, is that you spend so much money when you're actually just sitting around the house between your, your, either your rent or your mortgage and your utilities. And then when you compare that to going to so many destinations, particularly outside the U.S. that are so much cheaper, you realize there's such a dramatic difference and you can save so much money by just getting out of your house. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. In this episode, I'm so excited to speak with Sasha, who is a full-time traveler with his family for over a year and a half. They have traveled to over 50 countries across five continents and has spent a year traveling across the United States in an RV to 25 national parks and has spent the last year traveling while working remotely, living for a month each in some of their favorite travel destinations. They have now created a website called Off the Beaten Travel for hidden gem destinations around the globe and users will be able to input their favorite off the beaten path locations. So listen on to find out how Sasha makes family world travel sustainable. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to speak with my guest today. I'm here with Sasha. Hi Sasha, how are you? Hi Debbie, how are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Sure. Um, well, thanks a lot for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, I live an offbeat life because I'm a full-time traveler, which is been uh, a big adventure and a lot of fun over the last uh, year and seven months or so. My family and I decided to change our lifestyle after I'm probably getting a little burned out from kind of work and suburban life back in the Washington, D.C. area. And we decided to take a big uh, RV trip across the country. So that entailed kind of a whole year of preparation. And then we we ended up traveling for a whole year. We bought a used RV, kind of fixed it up and had a funny name called Lazy Days. Uh, and um, And we worked just a little bit uh, part-time last year, but really we're um, out on the road kind of, you know, camping in the wild and saving a lot of money and living, living cheaply. Um, and then we realized we, we liked it so much. We went to 37 states and 25 national parks. And, and we realized we liked it so much that we tr- wanted to try to make the travel life sustainable. So this year I'm kind of working uh, three or four different jobs in different ways. And uh, my, my wife went back to work full time, but uh, remotely. So now we are um, uh, living, we're continuing to travel, but spending a month at a time each in some of our favorite places or, or places that we 
we thought were our favorites. So that has been really interesting. So this we're on our, I guess, our eighth place uh, now. Wow. Well, that is a big leap from where you were before because you had the traditional job. How did you decide, why did you decide to do this and kind of just live life nomadically? Yeah, I was at my job for about 12 years. Um, It's a wonderful organization. It was first called the Enough Project. It turned into something called the Century. It's a human rights organization, works on Africa. Um, and uh, But I had been at it a long time. And so I think that I was getting a bit burned out from it. And, and we moved from Washington, D.C., to the, the, from the city to the suburbs. We lived in Northern Virginia. And I, I think we just kind of thought, well, you know, is this, is this it, right? Like we sort of had we accomplished everything we wanted to. We had good careers, decent salaries. Um, we were doing well in our jobs. And then, you know, we thought, well, you know, actually we, we want more out of life. And uh, we always had this idea to uh, go on a long-term road trip. We, we got engaged in Bolivia in, uh, at Lake Tenekaka. And we met this Canadian family who uh, were living out of a truck camper and uh, homeschooling their four-year-old, or I can't remember how old the kid was, but homeschooling their kid in the morning and traveling in the afternoon. And, and that was back in, I guess, 2012. Um, and, and we were like, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> um, and this is before we had kids. And then we had this idea, well, let's take a year off sometime and, and, and travel the Silk Road by road, like, you know, from Turkey to China or, or the other way around. And, um, and, you know, we kept scratching our heads on to, how to try to make that happen. And it just, you know, then we, we had the idea of a year, then six months and three months. It just Nothing was really working. And uh, I think COVID kind of woke us up to the possibility of, of doing bigger travels. Um, and I think that the key spark really was actually sitting down and, and uh, opening that horribly boring program called Excel. Uh, and, and, uh, writing a budget actually, you know, figuring out that as a matter of fact, once you shave, once you really adjust your expenses quite a bit, um, from living, uh, in a sticks and bricks house to being on the road that we could actually do it. Um, and that was, that was a huge eye opener. So yeah, it's been wonderful so far. We hope to keep it going as long as we can. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there because, and there's so many things that I'm interested in first, you are not only traveling just you and your wife, you also have children that are going along with you. Is that right, Sasha? Uh, yeah, I have one one five-year-old. We started when he was three. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So how do you make that work? Because when you have children, a lot of people have this misconception that it's a lot harder to travel. It's going to be more expensive. What did you do to make this work for you? Was it really that hard or is there a lot of misconception with traveling with with children or with the child <laughs> well the best part about it is uh we get them super used to very long car travel at a very early <laughs> age so uh <laughs> I, we, we laugh our friends can't take their kids on a like a one hour car trip and i'm like oh well our, our kid could sit in the road for nine hours at a time so uh you know get them get get it get it get them used to it early um no but really you know i think that um, we started at the age when he was in preschool. Now he's kind of kindergarten age with the idea that the, the sort of experiential learning is, is so valuable for, for kids. And so we were always committed to doing some book learning and then 
and we've increased that as he's gotten older. Um, but uh, really, you know, showing him the world, showing him the San Diego Zoo, showing him Yosemite, showing, you know, getting him into climbing, um, you know, he's learning how to surf. He's um, done all kinds of, tons of hikes. We've taken him overnight backpacking on multi-day backpacking trips several times. You know, he knows what the redwoods are and how old they are and all that sort of thing. So um, actually it's been, it's been really great. I think the only thing that um, is the drawback is, is having, um, you know, consistent uh, long-term friends like he sees regularly, but actually um, we are able to get back home once in a while. And then um, we're able to connect with some of our friends who live in different places too. And so he's able to build friendships that way. So it, it, it's been, it's been great. I think we can, we can continue that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting because there's like two, it's kind of like, it's really wonderful to, to do that with your children because they're not only learning from books, but they can actually learn from real life. And that's one of the best ways for, for a child to do that. And even as adults, right, when we travel the world, we learn something new. You've just seen pictures of it or you've just read about it. But to see something in person is another level of learning and seeing the world and it really changes you. But like you had mentioned too, having connection, and that's also really important. And I know as your child gets older, that becomes more important, right? Because when they're, when they're young, it's, you know, they're, they don't really understand as much. So do you think your traveling will be different once they get older, once they become like teenagers or even <laughs> preteens? Um, because it becomes like more, I guess it depends on your child too, how they take life in the road or if they would rather stay and have something that's um, there for them, like having that type of relationship as well. For sure. Yeah. Great question, Debbie. I mean, I think we're kind of taking it one, one day, one month, one year at a time. It's been uh, really great so far, this whole, this whole travel experience. We are slowing down. I mean, we did slow travel last year, but, um, but, but it was, we spent a few days in each location as opposed to just like one night. This year, it's it's even slower, spending one month in each place. Um, we may end up spending a full year next year um, in a, in another uh, place just just to have him sort of you know develop longer term friendships and so forth. Well, I think we'll 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 see how it goes. We'll see, and and of <laughs> course, as he gets older, he gets some more voice in the equation as well. But but yeah, overall, I think the whole. Um, experiential learning is 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 super valuable, and and you know everything that we um, learn in a book or look at in a book, he he then can see in person. We just spent two weeks in Hawaii, and you know he got to see the whales and swim with the turtles and um, and identify the fish in the water, the eels, etc. So he, so now we look at a book, and he's like, oh yeah, I know what that is. So um, I, I think that is is really cool, and 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 he can learn all these things that other kids. Or at least when I was growing up, we didn't we didn't do. We spent a month down in San Diego County, and he learned how to skateboard, or he's learning how to skateboard and surf, and then snorkel and that sort of thing. So things that are normal in certain places, but they weren't normal back in the in the Northern Virginia area when I was growing up. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's so funny because your your child is only five years old and he's already done so many more things than some people or a lot of people, right? And you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, he's super adventurous because that's because you guys took the time to actually take him places and have all of these experiences. And I think that's a really great way for a child to understand what they do like and what they don't like. You know, it's a lot easier to to figure that out, I think, if you're exposed to so many different things. So I think that's that's a really great thing to do when they're they're that age. Yeah, he's either going to uh, absolutely love continuing to travel when he grows up or he'll absolutely hate it. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. The, the jury's out. Yeah, but at least he's experienced it. You know, it's not just from um, hearing it from other people. He's actually done it. So that's a good thing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So now one of the things that you also talked about, Sasha, is sitting down and actually understanding budget and budgeting this type of lifestyle, because that's another thing that a lot of people are concerned about is how can you afford this? How can you make this sustainable? Because although we love to travel, we love to experience all these things, you also don't want to be constantly worried um, about money or where your next meal is coming from. You know, how did you make sure that you're able to do this long term and not just you know, for a week or two during the year, like most people do. Sure. And, and that's probably the biggest question or sort of puzzling look I get from uh, <laughs> friends uh, when I tell them what we're doing. Um, is it like, oh, you must be rich? And it's like, no. Um, so uh, yeah, the, the, the biggest wake up call was really that when, when, when I sat down with this ultra boring Excel file uh, and, and did the two columns, like, you know, cost of life at home, cost of life on the road, is that you spend so much money when you're actually just sitting around the house between your your either your rent or your mortgage and your utilities and, you know, just kind of random things that you think you need when you're sitting at home, but most times you actually don't need them, or you just kind of spend money out of, I don't know, stress or boredom or something like that, like clicking on Amazon with your thumb or renovating some bathroom or whatever, these, these costs are so exorbitant, especially with, you know, escalating um, inflation in the U.S., uh, that, um, uh, and then when you compare that to going to so many destinations, particularly outside the U.S. that are so much cheaper, um, or, or, or living in the road, like if you're going to um, RV campgrounds or, um, or, or free camping, um, which is so common out West and not common back um, back east, you realize there's such a dramatic difference and you can save so much money by just getting out of your house. Um, the other thing I think is the common mis misconception is how expensive vacations are because usually people have this double expense of like paying your rent or mortgage and then additionally paying um, uh, for hotels and every meal out when you're on vacation. So it's so exorbitant. Um, we don't do that at all anymore, right? Our, we have a house back in, in D.C. and it's rented out. Um, so we're not paying anything back home. Uh, the mortgage is taken care of. But but on the road, um, you know, we're, we're staying in cheaper places. And so there's no double cost and there's certainly no utilities um, and that sort of thing. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a major kind of mindset issue. And I'm not sure um, kind of why... People have that mentality. I certainly did for many years. Maybe it's, I, I, I don't know. But anyways, once you actually sit down and do the budget, you can 
you know, it, it's, it's a huge dramatic cost. I think people have this misconception like, oh, I have to make six figures. Otherwise, I'm never going to make it in life. And, and actually, when you get on the road, you, like our budget was, I have to go back to it, but I think it was 36000 for the whole year for, for our family of three. Um, and, uh, there's no way we would have lived on that back in the DC area. <laughs> we didn't, but we, we, we stayed on budget. It wasn't, um, it wasn't really that hard. And I think a lot of that misconception comes from, first of all, your fear, right? Cause that's a, what a lot of people, especially when, when you have parents that are very conservative and they're thinking, they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to end up homeless. You're not going to have anything. Or it could be because you're comparing it to your current lifestyle. And if you're living or you're creating a lot of income. So, you know, my husband and I are from New York City and New York City is really, really expensive. And sometimes you kind of are thinking that way. You're comparing it to the lifestyle that you have now to what you're going to have. And there's just a huge discrepancy there because like you had mentioned, Sasha, like you guys had budgeted at 36,000 and in New York, oh my gosh, that's not even good for one person, you know? So it's, it's a whole different world. And I think that's also another thing is that we're not familiar with that. So it becomes really scary, but I love that you sat down, got bored, <laughs> even though you got bored doing it, like you just really sat down to do it. But at 36,000, that seems like nothing. How, how did that come to that, Sasha? Because I'm like, what about gas? Like how is, cause now gas is like ridiculous, you know? And then the food that you eat, like, do you eat out? Like, how do you, how do you balance all of these things? Yeah, gas I think is a vastly over exaggerated cost, um, and and we had a you know an, an RV which and <laughs> towing a jeep moreover, so our gas mileage was definitely not great. But you know if the if the price of goes gas goes up like a dollar, okay, which it, it did, yeah, I mean then you're spending a couple hundred extra dollars overall. Like it's really not. Um, but anyways, I you know the major factors really are not paying utilities. Um, anymore, making sure you're, you're not, again, you're double paying, you know, your rent and some place, and then you figure out um, the right places to stay. So in the RV world, so we inhabited that for a year, we still have the RV, by the way, hope to, to use it again, um, in the future. But, um, but uh, this year, we're taking our car around, um, which is saved on gas. But in the RV world, you know, you have a big choice, you can stay in kind of like $100 a night, RV parks, which are usually actually, ironically, the most boring places, and you're kind of cramped in like sardines um, with other people, but, you know, people sort of like, oh, I need my full hookup and whatever. Um, or you can, you know, camp for free um, in, uh, in places, and now there are apps uh, to help you assess, like, whether a place is good or bad, and people give ratings to them, so you can, it's, it makes it much, much easier um, than, than in years past, uh, or you can stay in kind of national parks or state parks, local parks, regional parks for, you know, 10, 20, $30 a night, that sort of thing. Um, so that's a big factor. Um, eating, as you mentioned, was a big one. Uh, I mean, we, during COVID, uh, we stopped eating out obviously like everybody. And we, I think we realized that actually we really liked our 
home cooking. <laughs> uh, and, um, and I do a lot of grilling. So I actually brought a grill with me on the road. Um, it was like a, a gas grill in case there are fire bands and there was, so that was useful. Um, and, and then eating local, like local produce, local shrimp, local steak, um, local strawberries and raspberries, et cetera, et cetera. That's one thing we really learned to love on the road. So, so when you're not, when you're not eating out, you're not paying rent, you're not paying utilities, um, and you're staying at campgrounds that are either free or I think the average cost is like $25 to $30 a night for our, for our RV. So that ends up to be like, you know, eight, $900 a month. That's, that's your essential rent, I guess. And the longer you stay in places, um, the cheaper it is because then you're not, you know, spending the gas, the gas money. I mean, before that, in the whole year before, we, we really, I think, took a full year to do it. Um, we were trying to save and invest money. So we would, um, you know, we weren't eating out, we weren't buying as much on Amazon, et cetera. Um, and, uh, but we did some investments like in our homes. So to increase the, the um, potential rent and that ended up working well. And then, you know, we invested some in sort of just basic um, uh, index stocks and that helped at the time obviously the market hasn't done well for the last year but <laughs> um but uh in general like it, it goes up so whatever we saved we invested either in our home or the or the markets and so then um you know it was that kind of triangle like you know save invest and and um and, and travel cheap right so so yeah okay yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, there's a lot of things that you can definitely do. And I love that you budgeted for that because sometimes it's, you know, you're, you're really concerned. We're all really concerned about making it sustainable for us, but I love that you were able to do that. And also you found ways to make it work around your budget, work around your schedule. But the one thing that I am really interested in, because now you and your wife are back working and you're doing it remotely. What about internet? Because that's, you know, you need to have that. And when you're traveling around, that's kind of, your bread and butter to make this sustainable for yourself? How do you make sure that you have internet wherever you go? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how we would, I, I guess our travel, just to rewind, our, I guess our travel is a bit of a function of the time that we live in, right? Like, you know, the whole working remote thing wasn't really a thing 10 to 15 years ago, or wasn't a mainstream thing. And internet was far, far slower. So I guess you know, the fact that we're able to do this is, is just a function of the age that we live in. I mean, for better or for worse, right? Employers sometimes, you know, <laughs> they, they love the fact that there's internet everywhere so they can always get a hold of you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so obviously any, we, we book mostly Airbnbs and we make sure to contact them ahead of time and say, you know, how is your, how is the internet here? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you can run into circumstances. I'm sure. You heard about these mega storms, once in a lifetime storms that hit California, uh, about a month ago. And, um, or it was just a few weeks ago, I guess. Uh, anyway, so we, we were there then in central California and, uh, it was, it was quite a mess. Thankfully, my wife had a work retreat, so she was back in DC, but we had power, we lost power for several days, which was, you know, okay for me, but uh, not ideal. Apparently, the some areas lost power for weeks, so that would be a kind of a disaster. 
but mostly it's fine. Mostly it's it, it's it's manageable. And of course, the revolution on mobile internet nowadays is is uh, Starlink, right? These satellites they put up, and uh, now you can have satellite internet provided you have a clear a clear space on the top of your RV or your um, or your home. So. Uh, you know, we were considering working from Hawaii, for example, and, you know, Hawaii internet is not great, but with Starlink, it's something like a hundred times faster than it, than it is with just a normal connection. And it's not that expensive, actually. So a lot of RVers are now using Starlink, which slows it down a little bit, but um, is, is really a revolution. And, and Starlink is actually spreading to other countries, too. I have a friend who's um, setting up a network in Brazil uh, with, uh, with Starlink out in the Amazon, uh, rainforest. Um, and, and, you know, apparently it works super well out there too. So, um, the world is, the world is changing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I know my husband was talking about that too, cause we are actually thinking about, you know, doing like road travel too. And we both work from home and work remotely. And we were like, how do we make this work? Because there are certain areas, cause we love to, to hike and we love to go in, you know, parks, national parks too, like you do, Sasha, with your family. And we're like, oh my gosh, how do we make this work? And he was like, well, there's always Starlink, um, but there are certain places that it doesn't actually work. But I think most of that, those places are like city areas, which makes sense because probably they want to make it where internet is not reliable and make that helpful. But don't quote me on that because I'm pretty sure it changes every time. So <laughs> I think, I think the thing with, uh, you know, so of course there was uh, nomad life before Starlink and there are a couple different devices that, um, that we saw people using. It's their sort of, you know, signal boosters and that sort of thing. Um, they, they, they are functional, not, not, you know, 1000%, but, you know, we met many people out in the middle of, of nowhere in Arizona, New Mexico, Montana, et cetera, who were using those kind of things. And they worked full-time jobs. But with Starlink, I think it, it, it basically has to do with, um, you know, what's above you physically, right? So you can't use it in a forest. And that, that would sort of make the most sense for in terms of tall buildings and cities. Um, I, I think that's probably the reason, but, but uh, yeah, don't quote me on that either. I haven't used it yet, but uh, you know, in, in my RV community, people, people swear by it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. And I bet it's just gonna keep getting better. So when year starts to go by, it's just going to keep getting better and better. And then pretty soon you can even get internet underwater or something. <laughs> so it'll keep, it'll, it'll be good for, for travelers for sure. You also mentioned Sasha that now you ditch the RV traveling and now you're just doing car traveling. Why did you decide to do that switch? Uh, mostly because we, in order to make this travel life financially sustainable for ourselves, we needed the, you know, stable internet and, and, um, and good, uh, and, and sort of a more dedicated office space that was like, you know, we have a 26 foot class C RV. So that's kind of, you know, what most people would think of sort of as a, a midsize, like a Winnebago style, um, <laughs> if you will. Uh, and, and that's just really not conducive for a regular nine to five job, uh, or an eight hour a day job. One, one cool thing about our travel life now is we're trying to stick to the West coast, but we work East coast time, right? So, you know, starting at around six and ending around two. And, and that is, 
great for maintaining maintaining some kind of a, a a travel aspect to your life, right? So every afternoon we're we're outside and you know doing a hike or or swimming in the ocean or or whatever is nearby. Right now I'm in the middle of the redwoods in West Sonoma County, so probably this afternoon we'll hike in the redwoods. Um, so so that is a great a great aspect to it, but. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sorry. You you were asking another question. I lost that. <laughs> no, I think you answered it. So you decided to transition to to car travel because it was just more conducive to your schedule and work and making this more you know sustainable for yourself. Yes. So- yes. Yes. And actually, um, the, the other thing that's been really nice about the car travel, of course, saving gas, but also just you know paring down our life. Like our whole life is now in my Honda Accord. Um, and that is great. I love that. People are like, what, how do you do that? I'm like, that's the best The you know, less is more people like everything we need, you know, like, uh, you know, we always tell my kid, like, he's like, Oh, can I have this toy? I'm like, no, like, you know, we have to fit it in the car. So what are you going to throw away? Or if I'm going to buy a new shirt, right. Or, or my wife's going to buy a new something. We're like, okay, well, what are we going to get rid of? Cause we could, we have to fit it in the car. And, and, we absolutely love that aspect that, that it's it's so much more freeing that way. Sometimes we'll go to people's houses and they're like, they're like their toy chest is like a whole room. And we're like, oh, well, <laughs> we play with sticks and rocks in our home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, your kid has the world as a playground. So I think you guys are doing fine. <laughs> he, he appreciates it. Oh, he does like to go to other kids' houses. He's like, look at all these toys. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's an experience too, but I love that. So, Sacha, let's move forward to maybe 30 to 40, maybe 50 years from now, and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave, and what do you want to be remembered for? Wow, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I think that I would like to be remembered as uh, somebody that that tried to do some good in this world, and and also, yeah, both through my work in Africa, as well as um, kind of lending some inspiring ideas to people who wanted to expand their horizons through through travel. Um, my professional life and, and a huge part of my personal life has been dedicated to human rights in Africa. So I lived in Uganda for uh, two and a half years and worked on this issue of um, uh, child soldiers. And I founded an organization that um, helps rehabilitate child soldiers. It's called the Grassroots Reconciliation Group. Um, we've been around for 16 years now. I co-founded it with a with a Danish guy called Casper Agger, um, and and we've helped over 2,500 former child soldiers and members of their communities recover. Um, uh, you know, kids who were abducted as young as like seven or eight years old, and um, and now have kids of their own, but are severely traumatized. Um, and, uh, so we helped them with trauma counseling and, and economic projects and just basically hope in life where they kind of had none. And so, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a big journey to keep that organization going. A lot of people will found a, a nonprofit and then kind of let it go. Uh, but you know, we've been, we've been going strong for 16 years. We have kind of a, just a steady backbone of funding, you know, from my own money and, and core donors that we have. And we've, We've gotten grants from time to time. We won a, a, an award from the United Nations a couple of years ago, an innovation award. Um, so that has helped. Um, so, so I, I, you know, I want to make make that part of my legacy as well as um, I'm starting a new um, a travel website. It's called Off the Beaten Travel, and, and it's, 
I was shocked that the domain was available, offthebeatentravel.com. <laughs> and uh, it's basically there to be a hub for hidden gems. That's kind of um, how I love to travel and have always traveled. I've been to 50 countries between um, my wife and myself um, and have lived in a few of them. And, uh, and, and that's kind of what we do wherever we go. You know, I think the idea behind this uh, website is to um, put our own ideas in there, like top hidden gem countries, top hidden gem coffee shops, top hidden gem wineries. We love to drink wine. And then, but also to be a hub for other people to add their ideas and their blogs. And, and so like, I'm talking to all these people about, you know, guest blogs and, 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 and you have your submission form and that sort of thing. I think the idea, I mean, it's a very ambitious, I guess, um, is to sort of be the Atlas Obscura for, for hidden gem travel. Atlas Obscura being, you know, really obscure things. Um, and so ours, would kind of be more um, more mainstream hidden gems, but um, but we'll see we'll see how it goes. So you know, right now we're drafting uh, a bunch of blogs, and it should be up in the next um, couple of weeks. Uh, I was hoping to have it up by today, but that's okay. It'll be up very soon. Um, we we have a, a mock up, and a, anyway, it's 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 getting started. So um, maybe you can help us today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That sounds so exciting. There's a lot of things that you have done already, and now you're going off into these new adventures, and you're sharing it. And I love that. And yes, definitely keep us posted. So if our listeners want to learn more about you, Sasha, where can they find you? Okay. Well, right now I do have a website up. Um, it's my photography website. I'm an amateur photographer. It's called Image Journeys, imagejourneys.org. My, my nonprofit, the Grassroots Reconciliation Group, is uh, grassrootsgroup.org. Um, and the travel website, which will soon be up, is offthebeatentravel.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, uh, Sasha Traveler. So that's pretty easy. So that's kind of probably my, my main, main link. Thank you so much, Sasha, for being here with us. We really appreciate you for sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me, Debbie. I really look uh, forward to, to getting to know you better, too. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sasha. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to start long-term family travel. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey and I can't wait to hear how your location independent story will unfold.